0: Hey, it's another episode of the Denton Can. I am your host, Dave. And I was just, as I was getting things together, I was watching that show Naked and Afraid. This poor woman, 85% of her body was covered in sunburn. So bad that, I mean, it blistered. And then they popped. And then it rained hard in some jungle rainforest yeah the the medical guy tapped her out Uh, uh, so we're you know speaking of outside I mean we're well into uh, spring gardens are coming alive and uh, I've seen a lot of really cool things on this Facebook group Connecticut Gardeners um Big spotted salamander was found in somebody's underground window, basement window thing. Uh, Just a lot of cool stuff. Uh, And we're what? We're what? Like three weeks out from Memorial Day weekend, which is in the States our, you know, our green flag for the summer season. Yeah. I was thinking, well, you know, what, you know, we all know, you know, have ideas of what to do, what we want to do, but you can't rock and roll if you're not ready. So check your gear. Um, I put the kayak in the, in the water for the first time of the season last year. And I'm out in Long Island Sound. I'm paddling. I'm out in front of Jennings Beach. And my paddle broke. It was a a new meaning, a new perspective on up Jits Creek without a paddle. Well, at this point, now I have two. So obviously uh, I made it back. Uh, without a problem it was just more canoe paddling than kayak paddling and I've wondered you know maybe I should have checked my gear before I went. So you know boaters, kayakers, paddle boarders, water skiers, water sport people, fishermen check your gear you know give it a once over clean it off if it was out in storage somewhere Uh, especially life jackets make sure they still fit uh you know a lot of places don't require you to wear them so as long as there's one for every person on the boat and we'll kind of get into that um later uh you know so you don't have to wear them and that's fine but what if you have to? You might want it to fit. So, you know, just check your gear. Uh, you know, your, so I had a little two-wheel dolly cart for the, for the kayak. You know, make sure it's in good working order. You know, if you're using it, like for me, it's, you know, a good 300 yards to where I got to go to put the boat in the water. And it'd be kinda of suck if it broke halfway there. Got all my stuff and you get dragged. You know. Just bad. Check your gear. Um And it, yeah, I mean this is kind of all check your gear. Um but water sport people, um there's some stuff for you to think about. Uh And then, you know, we were talking about the life jackets. So, number two, make sure you know what the permits and regulations for where you're going to be are. If you just moved to another area, you might want to find some of that stuff out. Some parts you can bring your own uh, grill. Some you can't grill, period. Others you can grill, but you got to use the ones that are, you know, provided... You know by parks and recreation or the state or whoever's in charge um hunters fishermen find out you know size limits figure out what permits you need uh, some places shell fishing permits are different than fishing permits i'm assuming that in a lot of places or at least some places that have both. Um, you might want to find out the differences from dropping a line in salt water versus sweet water or fresh water. Find out what you can take. Find out if you should fish there. Or swim there. Um, you know, marshes can get contaminated. From industry, you know, upriver, and then that contaminants comes down. You don't want to be picking uh, clams and oysters and whatnot out of there, bringing them home to your friends and family and have them have all kinds of you know toxic chemicals in them. So you know, find out what the rules and regulations are, um, what's in season, uh, and what's not. And then, you know, what you can take. How many, you know, catch limits. Um, Or even if you're, you know, I think we went over that. You know, if you can fish there. Or if you should. Uh, Private property. You know, you might hear, oh yeah, people go down and fish there all the time. People go in there and hunt all the time. Da-da-da-da-da. Well, you know, you might want to ask about getting permission. Um, You know, a lot of places up in, you know, well, for me in my area, you know, New York State, New Hampshire, Vermont, Maine, um, probably even places up in uh, upstate Connecticut. You know, you might be able to use their property, but it's posted, but if you get permission, you're good. So, you know, find out what's what's necessary you know it's it all goes it's it might seem annoying or stupid. What are we going to get a fishing license for? well, you know that these licenses you know that money ideally you know goes directly to help protect the resources that we're using, be it campgrounds, waterways uh you know. Maybe they're stocking that pond with uh, fish. So, you know, be up to date. Uh, Here's a big one, because we do this a lot for the show. Uh, You know, your outdoor cooking equipment, your gear. Uh, Be it, you know, portable for camping trips and picnics or, you know, stationary outdoor kitchen. Uh, You know. Inspect it, make sure it's sturdy, structurally sound. I was on a bike ride of oh, probably, I think, Saturday. Uh, and I was going to go around St. Mary's, and there was a house on Gilman, and they put some stuff out for pickup free. And I was like, oh, wow, an offset smoker. Oh, I got excited. I was like, this would be cool. There's a lot of times you find, you know, some decent equipment. To, to work with or rehab. I have fun rehabbing old stuff. Uh, and then on further inspection, the front leg was just completely roached out, rusted, like eaten through. And, uh, you know, it's just not safe. you playing with fire here. There's smoke, heat, whatever. Um, You know, so just because, you know... You, part that we're most accustomed to looks perfect, you know, everything else there might, you know, there might be something wrong and you don't, you know, you want to be good for the season. So if you, if you got to replace it, do it. Um, give it a once over. Clean it. You know, especially you propane people, you want proper you know gas distribution to cook evenly right you know, all that gook and sauce from last year hanging out there smoking on your food right <laughs> um replace the, the the cooking grate if you have to if it's rusty if it's sat out all over winter it's rusty you don't want to just wash it off and scrape it off You know, rusted, you know, make you sick. You don't want that in food. Me personally, I usually keep that in the in the house. Um, I put my big Weber kettle in storage, so it's out of the elements over the winter, and the the small tabletop kettle, I keep in the front closet. You obviously don't have to do that. It is kind of messy. Um, but I try to keep, you know, the kettles as clean as possible throughout the season. So, but it's just good practice. Um, get a new grill. The the, the cooking grate you don't have to replace the whole grill every single season or every, you know, but the, the the cooking surface, I like to oil it up after a season and just keep it oiled and keep it clean. Um, I like think it helps avoid any rust issues. Um, and, then, you know, same goes for your your other gear you want to think you know you're cooking outside you want to think food safety uh yeah okay i'm generation x yeah i'm 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 getting up there i think about these things Uh, um you know give the coolers a clean you know a once over um you know depending on how much you use them you know during the course of the year They're probably, you know, clean. Nice once over. Make sure they're in good condition. And all bent, cracked, broken, whatever. You know, uh, keep your uh, food safe. Uh, And then going back to you, propane guys. Uh, You know, check your tanks, check the regulators, check your hoses. Um. The the better the condition, the safer it is, and the you know you get it. Uh, and I like to have a small fire extinguisher handy. Uh, you know, just max out on the fire safety, uh, especially if you're using um, outdoor fire pits. Again, you're gonna want to check that. Um, you know, in ground kind of self-explanatory. Keeps it, you know, not much to worry about there. But you want it to, you know, be structurally sound. And then, like, I have a above-ground metal one. Give it a once-over. Make sure the legs are good. You know, you don't want it falling over mid-fire. Um, but back to the fire extinguisher, you know, make sure it's up-to-date. Make sure it's, you know ready to use, have it, and just hope you never got to use it. Uh, and then for you travelers, day trippers, pack for the occasion. If you're going for a day trip to New York City and you're taking the train, uh, guys, you know, maybe a nice you know, medium, small, uh, day pack, backpack. Um, ladies, you're probably gonna bring a purse. Um, you know, you're gonna want your obvious, your wallets. Your, you know, in this day and age, you gotta have your cell phone. So you probably don't even need your wallet if you have your cell phone. But, um. You know, are you gonna need a jacket? Could it rain? You know, pack accordingly. But, again, you know, you're going to have to carry what you bring. You day trippers that drive. You have a little little leeway. You got a place to keep your, your stuff in the car. But then, that also means that if you leave it in the car and you need it, you got to go back to the car. So pack. You know, think just, think ahead, plan ahead. And, um, so that's my, uh, my summer list. It's, that's not even really a list. It's just, you know, things to think about, uh, as we get into the summer season. Um, or, you know, for those of you that, you know, live in a, in a more temperate climate, and that you can do your outdoor stuff, you know year round uh it's good to you know do these things on a regular basis um you know quarterly if you're you know super organized but it's always good to keep up on regulations and make sure your permits are good and make sure your gears working you don't want to get stuck in long island sound with no paddle right <laughs> Uh, so those are my thoughts, my my get ready for summer tips, I guess. And uh, I think we're going to take a short break. I need to go get some ice cold limeade. And uh, I think we'll do a couple more of those, uh, the ideas behind the songs. I had fun with that. Hey, right, we'll be right back. All right, thanks for sticking around. Um, so we're gonna go back to the stories behind the music. The 1960s greatest hits. And I had fun doing those last weeks. So I thought I'd do uh, a few more. And I found one that I thought was really interesting. Pinball Wizard, The Who, 1969. Critic Dick Cohn hailed The Who's Tommy an ambitious rock opera by a deaf, dumb, and blind kid who, well you know, as Rock's first ambitious masterpiece. It is fashionable to believe that such platitudes would be meaningless to an avant-garde artist like Pien Tauzid. But in truth, The Who's co-founder, guitarist, and leader really wanted Kohn to like Tommy. He wanted that a lot, so much so that he stacked the deck. The rock opera concept was always a risky idea, and it only existed in Townsend's head. Even his bandmates didn't know how the story would go until Pete revealed it to them one song at a time. Eventually, the album was laid out in a rough mix, but minus the song Pinball Wizard. Pinball wasn't in Townsend's mind at all when he played the rough version of the album for Cohn to get some feedback. Cohn's initial reaction was that something was missing? A hit. That's when Townsend pulled out the idea of including Pinball Wizard, which he had written independently of Tommy, partly because he knew Cone loved pinball. I tell kind of a tall story, which is what I wrote Pinball Wizard in order to get a good review from a friend of mine called Nick Cone. Townsend revealed to Uncle Joe Benson on the radio show Ultimate Classic Rock Nights. But I'd already written Pinball Wizard for Nick Cohn. I just hadn't played it to him. He came to hear the Tommy recordings, and he was quite impressed. I said to him later in private, what do you think? He said, I don't hear a hit. I don't hear a hit, Pete. You say this is a collection of singles. It's a collection of singles. Okay, but I don't hear a, a hit single. I said, what if I swing in Pinball Wizard? That meant that my deaf, dumb, and blind boy had to become a pinball player, which meant going back into the piece and changing a lot of the lyrics. I'd have never thought that. I thought, honestly, that it was built around the concept of this deaf, dumb, and blind kid who somehow magically played pinball like nobody's business. So to think that it was written completely separate... For this dude who loved pinball, I don't. I don't know. I, um, that's why I found it so interesting. It was completely the opposite of what I had believed for d- decades. Um, the next one, needles and pins, the searchers, nineteen sixty four. First recorded by Jackie De Shannon in 1963, Needles and Pins is best remembered for the hit version released by The Searchers a year later. That rendition peaked at number 13 on the Billboard Hot 100 and was a chart topper in the UK. The song is credited to Jack Nitsch and Sonny Bono, both of whom worked for Phil Spector the boy wonder pop producer and later convicted murderer. The song's success helped pave the way for a very prosperous career for Bona. He became a successful performer with his wife Cher on recordings and television and eventually broke into politics serving as the mayor of Palm Springs and a California congressman before his 1998 death at the age of 62 from injuries sustained during a skiing accident. Needles and Pins was Bono's greatest hit before writing and recording I Got You Babe with Cher in 1965, but it was not the first song he ever wrote that was recorded. That distinction belongs to a novelty number called Coco Joe. The song about the coolest monkey that you'll ever know was written by Bono when he was still a 16-year-old student at Englewood High School. It was covered by several performers with the most well-known version coming from the Righteous Brothers. Huh. I think I could do better. I think because it didn't really talk about why what that song meant. It was just the pre-predecessor to another song. Anyways, moving on. I'm sorry, folks. They can't all be awesome, right? <laughs> it's it's okay to laugh at me. Good Vibrations, The Beach Boys, 1966. Brian Wilson, founder of the Beach Boys, is widely considered one of the most talented people of the rock era. Whenever Paul McCartney is asked to name who inspired and influenced him and the Beatles, he's always quick to pay respect to Wilson. When Brian Wilson is asked what music most inspired him, he often talks about one song in particular, Be My Baby by the Ronettes. Wilson was 21 when it came out, already enjoying success with the Beach Boys. But the Phil Spector produced song had a cosmic impact on him. I was driving, and I had to pull over to the side of the road. It blew my mind, Wilson told the New York Times in in 2013. I started analyzing all the guitars, pianos, bass, drums, and percussion. Once I got all those learned, I knew how to produce records. Wilson put his education to use to produce good vibrations, a song which featured many of the same studio musicians that worked with Phil Spector. Over the course of 17 recording sessions, which employed a dozen musicians and consumed 90 hours of studio time and 70 hours of tape for a reported cost of $50,000, which was then the most money ever spent to produce a song, Good Vibrations was born. The results are considered a milestone in modern pop. Good Vibrations reached to the top of the charts in both the US and the UK, but his influence was even greater. McCartney has stated that the song and the Beach Boys album pet sounds that came out around the same time sparked the competitive fire in the Beatles to up their game, which resulted in Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. Wilson has called the song the summation of my musical vision, a harmonic convergence of imagination and talent, production values, and craft, songwriting and spirituality yeah i think it's probably one of the greatest songs the beach Boys ever did it It ha- encompasses that whole summer vibe that surfer beach bum. And I say beach bum with all the love and respect because it's not a bad way to be. Uh, <laughs> that character uh, McConaughey played in uh, "Dazed and Confuse. L i v i n. Just. uh anyways, it's a great song. If you've never heard it. You need to. And well, folks, that's the show. That's all I got for you today. It's just me. I'm I'm getting ready for summer, and it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be a lot of fun. Uh. Next episode, uh, I am hoping to sit down with a good friend of mine and a talented musician. Farley, uh, big grunge guy. It's gonna be fun. So uh, as usual, uh, post all your stuff, your ideas. Just say hello in the in the group on Facebook. Dented can, and uh, check out the Instagram page. The link for the podcast is there, so you can share it. And uh, if you dented the can. The beer was good.